0: The failure hypothesis is a Maledro Digital production. If you're interested in making business content with interest or want to tell your story in a future episode, you can contact us at info at Hi,
1: my name is Vivian Chan and you're listening to the failure hypothesis. Over the course of this podcast series, I'm going to be talking to some of the most interesting leaders from all around the world, from Brazil to the UK, from India to America, all about failure. We'll be testing the simple hypothesis that radical honesty about failure is the secret to success. But is it really that simple? Sometimes, is it better to just keep moving forward? Why can't we just think like a rocket scientist when it comes to failure? To help us find out the answer to these questions and more, we've assembled a dream team of guests that includes the chief scientist of a global tech company, the president of a major record label, a private equity titan, and a Webby Award-winning podcaster. We didn't think it was fair to ask our guests to bear their soul and not for me to do the same. So today, I'm putting myself in the hot seat first. Asking the questions today is James Webster, one of the producers of the show and co-founder of Maledro Digital, an agency that specializes in digital branding and content. I know that James is an ex-lawyer. So James, I hope you'll go easy on me today.
0: I promise I'll try my best, but, you know, this is uh, intense things we're going to be talking about. So um, I, can't, I can't promise it'll be easy, but that's the whole reason we're doing this. Um, Bring it
1: on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I will do. Um, well, it's an honour to be playing the part of Vivian Chan today. Um, it's a role, obviously, you're going to be playing over the weeks and months to come. So um, hopefully I live up to the future example that you set. No, I'm very honoured.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the first thing we're going to be doing in the show and the first thing we're going to be doing with you is um, to talk a bit about you and give you your your intro. Um, and the first thing I would say about you is... You've, come, yeah, you've got a, a Wikipedia entry to die for. Um, let's just tick off some of the things on that. A PhD in biochemistry from the University of Cambridge. A serial entrepreneur founding Silicon Fen Concept. As well as Sparrow, a company that makes science accessible by transforming complex research into bite-sized summaries written in everyday language of which you are currently the CEO. You've been named one of the top five women in the top 100 Asian stars in UK tech. You've been named in management today's 35 women under 35. You've been selected as a semi-finalist for the Duke of York, New Entrepreneur of the Year. You've been selected by MIT Technology Review as one of its 35 innovators under 35. You've you've been invited to address EU ministers about the importance of open data for innovation. Uh, You've sat on the uh, Department for uh, Digital, Culture, Media and Sports Economic Advisory Group. You know, you would ask, what the hell do you know about failure? (laughs) Um, So... Um, as that shows your accolades are many um obviously the greatest accolade of your career is the failure hypothesis host but of course, of course. Um, we're going to hear a bit more about the story behind that success because you're going to share with us today um some sometimes when things did not go um to plan so let's put you under the microscope let's talk about a challenging time in your career, which is the contrast to that roll call of excellence, which is always the case, obviously. So tell us your failure story.
1: Absolutely. Well, to start off with just having someone read out the Wikipedia list is actually, I think it's the first time someone's ever done that for me. So um, I'm feeling quite honored, <laughs> um, but you're right. I think that's a nice little summary of what, success looks like but um, with every single success there's probably about five to ten more failures to get to each bullet point Um, so the highs and the lows have been very much quite intense in the career as an entrepreneur yeah so I think if you were to start thinking about it from I think what school and I think Reid Hoffman has said this as well Um, school really prepares you for academic education, but you really only start to live life and yeah. learn about life once you've graduated. Yes. So whether or not you graduate from high school, whether or not you graduate from university or not, it doesn't matter. It's when do you choose to also be open yeah. to what life is gonna teach you with the life lessons. Yeah. And life lessons is all about failure. <laughs> Yes, I feel like the only constant is failure <laughs> to success. Yeah. If you don't go through all of the really sad times, the heartbreaking uh, moments where you actually cry yourself to sleep and you don't really know why you're still doing it, <laughs> no. then you don't actually understand what that bittersweet success actually s- feels like.
0: And one of the reasons that we're doing this, and I know one of the reasons we're both so passionate about this is is what you just said about crying yourself to sleep is that we hopefully live in a world now where people can admit that mm-hmm. and share that with other people and learn from that because that is actually a, a big change you know not so long ago that would you'd never admit that and i think that's that's really powerful so what's what what is the, is the story you're going to share today that maybe did make you Cry yourself to sleep, or, or you know, doubt yourself, or even if you were to look at that Wikipedia list and go, that means nothing because this thing's happened today, and that overrides any of this. What are these? What's this, what's that story that you're going to share with us today?
1: Well, I think one of the first ones I'm going to share about um, is the autoimmune condition. Oh wow! Okay. Because um, there was a lot of sacrifices mm. that was made to get to those bullet points. (laughs) So as an entrepreneur, a lot of people don't really share that story. And you're right in pointing out that crying to sleep is a, should be very much shared. And I think maybe as a a person, as a founder, I'm very much quite open to sharing my emotions, maybe more so than other entrepreneurs. But I also found that it was the entrepreneur peer network that actually was the most um, life-saving for me as an entrepreneur. And I won't go through all of the, all of them, but for example, I know that other people had to also go through personal health sacrifices in order to achieve the successes that they had in their business as well. So my autoimmune, if anything, is actually just a sliver of what other people have gone through, which I don't know if they share. So. Uh, the autoimmune, I think, why I wanted to start with that mm. was I think probably genetically I, w- I always was prone to the autoimmune yeah. condition. But it because you have genetics, but you also have life yeah. experiences that trigger certain mm. um, conditions. And I think and I do know because the doctors have told me <laughs> yeah. that the first couple of years of starting up the business... I was so passionate about it. I was so like, this is my life. Um, I met a lot of great friends and entrepreneurs who are all passionate about building their own businesses. This, I felt, was a great opportunity and also um, a luxury that I really shouldn't be given up the opportunity when I was first selected to kind of go ahead on a second you know, we think you're a good entrepreneur.
0: (laughs) Because you started as a scientist, didn't you? Yes.
1: Well, actually, that's very interesting. Yes, yes, yes. I did start, um, well, I was trained as a scientist and um, I'd studied in biotechnology in Australia. Um, And then I had a brief year um, in life science investing, which was very good because that actually got me thinking about the applications and investments of scientific research. Um, But then I was very fortunate enough to get scholarships to both Oxford and Cambridge. um, And for this particular PhD, I chose Cambridge to do a structural biology um, biochemistry degree. So I packed my bags really young, came over. First time I really, really explored um, the UK and Europe besides like a two week holiday or something like that. Well, it's, a long, it's a long way to go, isn't <laughs> exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. So you try to do as much of Euro ball in two weeks, but you don't yeah. really know what it means to live there all by yourself without any family, without any friends. I was just a young girl full of dreams, thinking I'm gonna seize the opportunity of being a better scientist.
0: And coming to Oxbridge is is, you know, is a pretty intimidating. Um, you know, it's not just arriving on a nice holiday, is it? It's, <laughs> it's pretty much being thrown in the academic deep end as well.
1: Yeah, but I actually loved, yeah. uh, I, I think I really enjoyed my Cambridge days because it was the perfect ecosystem yeah. Yeah. for a passionate, for any passionate young individuals. Who, are, who is you know, really ready to dream big. And I chose the role of scientists, or I, I rather chose to study in biotechnology or in a PhD in science, because it was always um, kind of back to some of my life uh, thesis, mm. which is number one, I wanna make an impact in the world. And so I thought um, that being a scientist was yeah. the way to do that. Yeah. And number two, I also wanna forever be learning. So I never wanted to be in a place where I'm like, oh, I'm doing the same thing over and over, or I'm not actively using my analytical problem-solving skills. I wanted to be challenged, and I felt like being thrown into Cambridge was perfect for that, because you're right, the the scenery was beautiful, right? And the culture and the history is absolutely phenomenal. But then the people... That you get thrown into, is like, yeah. oh, it's not like a normal chit chat about you know sitcoms. It's like, what do you think about the political agenda right now? We well, well it sounds down. like you
0: loved a good hypothesis from an early age. So it seems like you were on a track <laughs> on a track to do this from a young age. Um, so how does like so that sounds a really exciting journey. So, so with that autoimmune condition, and obviously, if you're happy to share the details of that, that would be great. Is, is that sort of like not? affecting you at university, that's something that comes later Correct. or was that? So that's like, you know, it's actually something that happens later and it's like probably less expected because like a lot of health conditions like that, you think maybe that presents earlier and it's a shock, you know, to happen later in life. So how does that, so what? what's the stage at which that first is diagnosed or you know, you're happy at university, all these things, you know, these accolades and stimulating conversations and that's, you know, I'm on, I think a lot of people who do really well academically, you're on a, a track, you feel like destiny is on your side, you know, you're at Cambridge University, all this stuff. And then things like that, The you know, it's like that very overused quote of Mike Tyson's, which is, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> Was this a bit of a punch in the face? And sort of talk about how that punch in the face happened.
1: Yeah, um, I, I like how you're describing it as a punch in the face because I think I've been very, very fortunate. Um, through my upbringing, and also being able to have given the opportunity to expand my, um, my academic career. Um, everything was great, I really enjoyed it, had some of the best times in Cambridge, met some of the most lifelong you know, friends mm-hmm. there. Um, I was also fortunate at that point to be uh, part of like the Cambridge University Technology Enterprise Club, so I met a lot of entrepreneur-minded yeah. um, friends as well. But my autoimmune was not there, so it was it was very obvious that once I started, it was not like you know, going into a new environment. For example, moving from Australia to United Kingdom, it wasn't that that yeah. triggered it.
0: It wasn't an exciting new challenge. It was an unwelcome, no. it was an imposter into yeah, your. Yeah, exactly. You know, your so it life. wasn't like,
1: you know, the UK climate or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I still, you know, I finished my PhD, yeah. graduated, all great. Then I got selected as well as one of the top 30 graduates in the country to wow. try to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and then that really. So there wasn't really... any
0: consideration of con- 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 continue with science, or is it when someone gives you the opportunity? No, that is what I want to do.
1: Yeah, I think it was like, I always thrive to find something that no one else has done. (laughs) So that was also why. That's a very important
0: quality in an entrepreneur. So that's. that's, Yeah, but I didn't know back then
1: as well. And actually, um, one of my um, very early mentors, Sherry Kutu, um, she sits on, you know, She's been involved with, like, LinkedIn and also sits on the board, I think, the London Stock Exchange wow. on point. She pointed out to me when I was at Cambridge, before I knew I was yeah. an entrepreneur, she said, you're going to be an entrepreneur. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. What, did you
0: say what <laughs> specifically she'd seen in you that made no, her say that? No, I
1: don't that? know. I think, to be fair, it was one of those pivotal moments. Yeah. So I... I was somehow ended up being the president of this Cambridge University Technology and Enterprise it Club. It just, just happened. You it know, just, just happened. Just woke up one day. It was like yeah. I was um, a yeah. biochemistry friend who realized that I had some investing background with the venture capital and then so like oh why don't oh no uh, this is back in australia so in between the undergrad and coming over to a phd i was life science in a venture capital firm right especially in the life science investing perspective and then so they thought that was interesting asked me to join next thing you know they asked me to run for president i got picked and then the rest was history so yeah. through that i met a lot of amazing cambridge angels and right. also mentors like sherry kutu and david cleveley matthew Cleveland, all these great people um who i think really put the pillars of me being an entrepreneur before or, or identifying me as an entrepreneur before i even knew yeah. that those qualities meant that i would be best put in an entrepreneur. is that raw
0: talent i mean you'll know this as a boss yourself it's like that's not enough. It needs someone to spot that and give you the opportunity. And yes. Being in yes. that amazingly prestigious university setting that, you know, then that career that you had afterwards gives you that advantage. Um so that's I think that's a really important lesson that every entrepreneur entrepreneur is a very lonely road. You have to do it all yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's why it's so important to remember that you still need those other people. And I think and as an entrepreneur myself I know that when you think you can do it all alone is normally when you go wrong, yes, you know, the, yes, the buck stops with you, but it doesn't mean you have to do it all alone. And I think that's when you have those incredible people. I, I've been lucky to have those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them sit on the board of LinkedIn, but um, <laughs> but they're all. <also, laughs> but so so um, but yeah. So so how does this? How does? Sorry, I'll let you continue with the the story about how we get to that punch in the face.
1: Yeah. So I think what you pointed out was really, really true. Yeah. And for anyone who is even thinking about being an entrepreneur, I think um, to keep you sane, <laughs> you need mentors, really good mentors, um, and you're going to have various different mentors throughout your life. But also, be open to accepting them mm-hmm. um, with open arms. And then the second one I would say is the peers of the entrepreneurship. So the so actual your peer to peer entrepreneur network. Yeah. with those two those are the ones that kept me sane but well I would say in quotation saying because as an entrepreneur you're so passionate you, you are very curious or yeah. maybe I am very much curious because of a scientist in me has been like okay so why is this why is that um and that actually ended up going through a whole bu- bunch of uh questions I had about the world and also questions about my life thesis about where best to make an impact, right? Okay, well, actually, outside of just being a PhD, there is so much more of science that potentially I can communicate to the world. And I realized that science communication is one of those areas that that I can really make an impact because people don't really think about science communication, but yeah. if you think about David Attenborough or you think about Brian Cox, actually, what are they doing? Or the Science Museum, right? Well, what they're doing is communicating and science. And that's what's to the world. so
0: incredible about what you're doing, because I think that it's a simple thing that applies across all disciplines, which is some people like to make things sound more complicated to make themselves sound more intelligent. <laughs> the real great people, like David Attenborough. You know, they make it seem simple, so it doesn't seem science so it Correct. doesn't seem technical, Correct. that is the gift. It's when you start receiving that information, and I know that's quarter what you're doing, it's like making it accessible, rather than remote and inaccessible. That, yes. that is real skill, and I think that some people think, if they make it sound really simple, that makes them sound less of an expert. I know, David Attenborough is the perfect example of that. Yeah, yeah,
1: he definitely, I think it's harder to simplify things in a Absolutely. concise way then and it's way easier for me to blab on for like yeah. five sentences about yeah. one thing. But to, we'll come to Sparrow yeah. in a little bit. But yeah. I think what's really interesting around the mm. network is that despite the network, as an entrepreneur, you're yeah. so driven, so yeah. interested, the, the drive of the hunger of, oh, I've been given this opportunity to solve a problem, that you do end up working ridiculous hours, especially the first few years as an entrepreneur meant that I was learning, I was loving it. I also could hire people that I enjoyed working with, but we were we were young and naive. We didn't yeah. really know what we were tackling at the same time. Um, it was like, oh, I'll it's like, oh, i just-
0: better not to know the challenge that you're facing, because then yes. maybe you'd never start the journey. Correct, so, actually um...
1: you're right. I think half the time I didn't, I was very naive, but yeah. the na- naivety was a, such a blessing. Yeah. But it was like, oh, I was talking about this, talking about that, and one of my very first angel investor, Alistair Mitchell, mm who is a founder and now is also a partner at EQT Ventures and the U.S., he was kind of like the first one who believed in me by putting down a check, right? He yeah. was literally just said, oh, I like what you're doing. Now I'm in. Now prove to me what you can do. Yeah. And then that was like when, oh, oh, okay. This is actually no longer a dream. This is going to happen. So then what do I do? And then I realized, oh, what is due diligence? What's the kind of like the the." the documentations I need to put together and then I ask my mentors and then you're like, whoa, okay. I don't know how to do, you know, you don't really know what the journey is, but if you're open to that journey and open to opportunities, that's great. But that drives the hunger and even more. So that just meant that I would always be, I'll just check another email. I'll just do another, you know, um, session planning. Uh, and then I couldn't really, I didn't know how to switch my brain off. I think that's the main yeah. thing. I was I was very much working on my analytical side and problem solving and I was feeding yeah. off it, loved it, but I didn't really let my body rest and I didn't know how to mentally switch off from work. Yeah. And to have that sustained for a period of time, like years, yeah. that added accumulative stress level yeah. was really what my body was reacting to.
0: So just talk us through the, the timeline roughly. Of university, then life sciences, and then you know. So just just top line, like where are you? Which point? So go from at eighteen, I'm assuming, uh, or around then went, went to Cambridge, or did you?
1: So I'd have to do my undergrad first. Oh, Okay, uh, so you came as a, a postgrad. As a, a PhD. Yeah. Ah, yeah, sorry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ah, okay, so.
1: Twenty four. I came over. 18 okay, so you came over to, to the UK. Twenty. So 2008. is all I remember. Okay. 2008 is when I came over. And I was early twenties because I just did my undergrad. That was four years with the honours.
0: And was the life uh, the, the the stint prior equity between the Correct, undergrad yeah. and the postgrad? Correct. Okay, so there was right. another
1: venture capital period there, and then I um, came over. And, and so- after the
0: postgrad is where this 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 again, I guess, which makes perfect sense because you've already sort of dipped your toe in that water anyway. Then this entrepreneurial potential get spotted and then after the post grad you sort of fully commit to a business career but as you yeah. say it's the same passion for kind of finding answers or solving problems that yeah. drove you in the just a, in a just, just a
1: different channel it, i felt oh. like i was actually problem solving in a very similar way yeah i do actually believe that scientists can make really good entrepreneurs because we go through the same kind of, what's the hypothesis? What is the um, data points? And then actually, can we make a conclusion out of this? Well, too? I'm, a big, I'm a
0: big fan of, of all of the sort of Shark Tank and Den shows, but one I've been watching recently a lot is, is Australia the Australian one. Oh. And there's a guy on that, I forgot his name, but uh, he always says, I won't invest in businesses that don't have a tech co-founder. So I think that science is, science you know, all the, the unicorns out there, how many of them don't involve technology and science these days? Yeah. You know, so...
1: With a founder uh, you know, who is very data-driven, I exa- think. Exactly. Yeah. And so
0: yeah. I, I think there is this thing like that, oh, that, that you, you feel, and I think a lot of people are, scientists do make entrepreneurs. Well, of course they do. Mm-hmm. Because, it's you know, being data-driven, solving problems, but, like, this is what we're kind of getting at in this podcast, which is, like, but even a scientist from that background, it's hard to think like a rocket scientist. It's because when it comes to your own personal emotions that can obscure even the technical skills that you might have Yeah. but I think it's it's interesting that you feel the need to say you know I think a lot of people do and I've heard it from other science, entrepreneurs as well oh we, we can be well of course like it, you know and it's like it's, it's it's probably one of the most important or the best backgrounds to have as an entrepreneur in the in the digital age. Yeah, and when
1: I was first starting out, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't very much a norm, which I do know in the last couple of years, it's completely changed, especially out in the US, right? So it's like, you know, Stanford and all of that has become tech bubbles and startup bubbles. But also in the UK, that's definitely, I love the the shift that's happened now. Um, But when I first started off, there was 30 entrepreneurs in the first cohort there were, I was one of three women yeah, and of one of three PhDs. So I was the only female PhD wow. in that cohort. In
0: 2008?
1: This was... No, sorry. Okay. Uh, so this is 2012. Okay. So Both. after but I graduated it, you know, my PhD... It's
0: horrifyingly recent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, hor-
0: horrifyingly recent, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. But... In a very good way, it's a lot's happened yeah. in, in the startup and investment world to really support and pull out a lot of the – support a lot of the scientists yeah. and the technology um, graduates to or even uh, enthusiasts yeah. to really pursue entrepreneurship. Yeah. But to kind of come back to that, mm. the really punch-in-the-face moment was as an entrepreneur. So yeah. because you get punched in the face so many times – um, and I don't actually remember what the very first punch in the face was because mm. now in comparison to what I've had yeah. to overcome, it well, seems sure so been, many boxes,
0: you know, there's so many that you like, yeah, I, remembering I, I an individual don't, punch is hard, you know, yeah. unless it was a knockout one. You
1: know? No, but I, I, but they were, my body was telling me yeah. to stop. I wasn't yeah. listening to it. And, and so I really didn't really get diagnosed at that I think it's really
0: useful because I'm 100% sure many entrepreneurs will be hearing these signals or or these signals will exist. What are those signals that you were getting but pushing through, just so that other people who might be listening, you think, ah, that's the sort of thing that I might watch out for because they could easily be having, facing the same issue that you are.
1: Well, as a young kid, well, not even as a young kid, maybe a young adult, I've noticed that, you know, my hair would fall out a little bit more wow, okay. than than yeah. the rest of my family. Right. Um, but the doctors back then were like, no, it's fine, it's all good, it's yeah. all good. Um, I also tended to need more sleep right. than other people. Yeah. Um, and that all kind of came to um, conclusion that actually- Cause you're Because you're not giving I'm,
0: yourself that sleep. Correct. You, you're pushing yourself so hard. I
1: was pushing myself way too hard. And I was prone to an autoimmune condition genetically. Yeah. So it may actually not be relevant for everyone, but because I was under so much stress and yeah. sustained stress, yeah. that I was not listening to myself yeah. when I actually needed the sleep. Yeah. I think it was the, the lack of sleep. Yeah. And the fact that my, my, whenever I wake up, once the cortisone woke me up at like 4 or 5 a.m., it would just be about work.
0: I love that scientific <laughs> explanation for the, 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 the five AM horror. The cortisone, it's just like that's yeah, the first the thing that wakes
1: you up, and the first thing I'm thinking about already is about work.
0: And is this the crying to sleep, and then the cortisone? Oh my gosh, Waking you yeah. up in the morning. I w-
1: yeah, sadly, yeah. sadly, was that kind of like no. Yeah. <laughs> Not every single night no, was no, that no, bad, but it's, but, it's, but, it's,
0: but it's like it's you know when you're in that tunnel, that yeah. dark tunnel. Yeah. That I think every, you know, unless an entrepreneur has been incredibly lucky. Yeah. They will have. You you can only really fully. Have, see it when you're out of it.
1: Exactly, and, and, and yeah. I it's know it's, it's things like, um, you know, you have to make your first fire, you have to fire yeah. the, you know, your first employee. It's those kind of firsts that yeah. emotionally I connected yeah. with quite a lot. Um, and because I didn't have an effective way to switch off my brain, yeah. um, I ended up in a whole month, I actually do remember this, in November, I'd forgot which year now, but there was a whole month where there was a couple of different things happening at work, which just meant that I wouldn't actually get quality sleep for a whole month. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll go to bed, and my mind is still ticking about work, and so therefore you only probably get, you know, a couple of hours of light sleep. I'll wake up, and then I'm already thinking about work, and then that just keeps going. And because I wasn't getting quality sleep, my, I think my, problem um, solving skills and, you know, people skills and all of that. You just don't have the same capacity to act as a CEO when the team's looking for you to lead, especially at really tough times. And I ended up going through a spiral and I I don't think it was just that month, but that was a very clear month in my head just before Christmas and all of that. And then I think it was not long yeah. after was where I realized that actually I had like a redness in the top of my scalp. Right. Um, if I had done something about it earlier yeah. on, I think it would have been diagnosed a lot quicker.
0: You've kind to push yourself beyond the limit at this point.
1: I didn't even... Yeah. I was just like, I'm too busy to even go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But then it started getting bigger and it yeah. was getting itchy and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, at the end of it, luckily, it's, yeah. it's not a... Um, you know, chronic disease uh, yeah. condition, but it's not curable. So, a lot of so autoimmune, I just have to live with it. A lot of yeah. autoimmune conditions don't necessarily have a cure yet. Um but and so, a
0: huge variation in. You oh, know, correct, correct. And how they're affecting you at any one time, and the choices you make, and and the, the pressures you're under, some of which is not your choice, that will have a huge impact.
1: Yeah, um, and I think it was only until I actually did. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then I actually remember I was back home um, at one point. Well, I'm Jewish citizenship, so I'm British and Australian. Yeah. Um, I was back home that Christmas. Yeah. And then I was getting a normal checkup. Just, yeah. it was like a normal yeah. checkup yeah. with my family. And then the GP went. Hmm, your blood test results is a little bit. So this doctor's a little bit more
0: engaged than the <laughs> uh, one. The one who yeah, was my telling own... you not to worry about it years before.
1: Yeah, but that one, that one was more just like I feel like a lot yeah. of my hair comes out. You yeah, know? and I was well, like eighteen. Maybe there's more,
0: it was like... more signs, I suppose, at that point.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it was signs that probably I had much more yeah. of a prone to autoimmune condition, but I yeah. wasn't. I wasn't showing any symptoms, but this time when I was yeah. in Australia. Then my blood test results started to show, you know, some trigger. And then that was when this started. So does this feel like, because,
0: you know, having an autoimmune condition, self-evidently, is not a failure. No. But I know that sometimes when people have medical conditions, they feel like maybe their body's letting them down. But they, sometimes it almost does feel like a failure. Did it? And it shouldn't. But does does it feel like, oh, my God, my body's letting me down. I'm, you know, I did that feel like a failure or were you where which bit which bit of it felt like a failure is it because this is stopping me from doing succeeding in other areas or is it like the actual physical thing makes you feel like a failure yourself
1: no i think i felt that the autoimmune was a wake-up call right to how i was failing in life right outside of being a ceo because so i kind of just not like
0: see failure at all
1: yeah, but it's just kind of like, but on a second. inside
0: that you feel that way.
1: Just as a, if I was only pouring my, every yeah. single waking moment to be an entrepreneur and be the CEO and a founder, I lo- had lost identity and lost touch with everything else. Yeah. That was when it was a failure moment for me was when yeah. I was like, oh, well, there's no point trying to change the world if yeah. I'm not going to be alive. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. if I'm not looking after myself... That was yeah. a big failure for me yeah. to kind of go, oh crap! And that was yeah. like imperative to, to a lot of other entrepreneurs that I know. They, yeah. some of them had heart attacks; other people had other, much more chronic, decision, um, you know, health responses than mine. So I'm still very fortunate, yeah. <laughs> I, I think. But Actually, why including, I'm including so including open about it? Including one of our guests it.
0: that we're going to be having the pleasure of speaking to in the future. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it is scarily more common than than, than, um, than one might think.
1: Yeah. And I don't know how often people share that side of the story about the sacrifices or the, the health concerns and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, I realized that my body was trying to tell me <laughs> to actually be a different type of CEO. So I think that where I actually learned from that was in order to be a better CEO, I needed to look after myself. Yeah. And to be a better entrepreneur and to lead the team, I need to lead myself. I need to look after myself. And so I ended up having to really go through a whole journey of yeah. figuring, of self-discovery in a way, Yeah, but a self-discovery to live with the moon yeah. while choosing a very stressful career path as an yeah. entrepreneur. Um, And that's my choice and my choice that I I own to this day. But it was a lot of trial and error, right? And I had to try various different things like, you know, physically to to get myself tired by playing sports or going to the gym and trying all different sorts so that I would just go to sleep. Um, And then also prioritizing my diary. Yeah. And actually saying no to a lot of things. This is the first time I think in that period after I was diagnosed when yeah. I went, oh, actually, instead of doing like 10 things over the weekend, even socially, yeah. instead of I would used to meet like two or three friends uh, over a Saturday. Yeah. Now it's like one thing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said
0: like, you know, there's no point being a successful CEO solving a problem if I'm not alive. I mean, was is that how you felt that it would, would, would might end up if you carried on the way you were. That it yeah. might you know, really seriously impact your health, not you know, to, to progress beyond you know, into something that might be seriously threatening your health.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it was a, a very healthy wake-up call yeah. um, and that I needed to listen um, to my body and that there is more yeah. to life. than than just being an entrepreneur. And there was other things that it might not have been a priority, but there are other aspects and identities that I didn't want to lose. So I also, another, I guess, second failure Mm -hmm. moment through the whole entrepreneurship is not so much, I'm not here necessarily talking about the the startup failures, but I'm talking about the other life failures as an entrepreneur. Yeah what you also that also actually coincides. so the second one mm. happened when i actually started to feel like i was losing identity of myself right i didn't actually know who vivian chan was right. outside of being the founder and ceo of sparrow yeah and that was very scary but that only hit me after the autoimmune condition. Well, sometimes these <laughs> things come
0: along twice,
1: you know, come along in yeah, twos. Exactly, cause yeah, exactly. Because I think once I was diagnosed, then actually yeah. it was put under, um, so, so I, you, I could actually have a mm. bit of, um, keep the autoimmune in, in check. Mm. Um, so it's all fine now. Um, you know, I, yeah. I do have a little bit of, you can tell in my yeah. scalp that, I, yeah. you know, I might have an autoimmune, but it's yeah. not chronic, it's not systematic. Yeah. So that part is great. So that's in check. Um, and then after that, I'm like, whoa, well then what else do I want to achieve yeah. in life besides yeah. this identity? And I'm like, yeah. well, besides being that, Vivian Chen is also a daughter, yeah. is also a sister, yeah. you know? And then I was like, have I been giving um, any? time and yeah. space and headspace to any of these other identities that I yeah. should be playing, right? Yeah. And I was, I guess, in a way, my family and my friends were very fortunate of if giving me the space and because I was in a different country. Yeah. Um, but I felt like I was neglecting the, the other roles and therefore I went through a really interesting period where I felt like I lost myself. And yeah. that was a weird... And I talked to a lot of my entrepreneur friends then, and they were the only people who would really understand this. I think it can
0: act a little bit like an addiction sometimes of, you know, of if, you know, I need to do this more and more, a compul- maybe more accurately, a compulsion of like, if I'm not working on my business, which is the most important thing to me, I feel guilty if I'm doing anything else, and it just gets you into a cycle of spending more and more and more time. And probably with diminishing returns, because every extra hour you spend probably mm-hmm. isn't delivering the benefits that you want it to but it is taking away something else from your life and i think it's a really like interesting um take on failure as a again one that's probably historically not one that people would admit to because it's like well as long as my business is succeeding then nothing else matters and whereas actually you can be you can i think it's a, a really important point to actually as a business person you can be failing even if your investors are lining up the cash, the, everything's growing, the awards are coming in you can be failing if you're not happy and you're not fulfilled yeah because what does that stuff mean if you don't have that And I think that's a really interesting definition of, of, of failure and a take on failure which I think is is always been around but it's like well if my bottom line is doing well and my investors are happy and everything then I'm, I'm you know I'm killing it as a business person. Yeah. but are you really if your you know, health is, in the, you know, is really suffering and you're questioning do I even know who I am anymore
1: and I think that is something where you need to find yourself and you surround yourself with the right people yeah. in such challenging times and it's fortunate now that as well that I have amazing entrepreneur friends yeah. that helped me support me through that I also had great mentors and to this day, I still have an amazing CEO coach called Kevin, Um, Kevin Ayers, who um, was one of the first people that Reid also hired and was the MD for LinkedIn Europe. But he really helped me grow from being a founder to a CEO yeah and if you surround yourself with really good mentors and also investors now especially really really experienced investors who have been entrepreneurs yeah and board members like susan as well they tell you to look after yourself
0: yeah and i think that thing you said about because i think it's something we will explore on on the show is founder and ceo often in that email sign off go together Mm -hmm. but they are very different Different roles roles and very different pressures very different expectations. Um,
1: different expectations. Very different roles. Also, emotionally, it comes with very different capacity.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, as a founder, you're very passionate yeah. about the the mission. You're you're for me as well. I'm passionate about the people that I work with. But as a CEO, you often have to make really tough decisions where you do have to. The two sides do actually conflict. Mm. Um, when you're like, as a CEO, I have to make these tough decisions and I have to, I don't know, let go of people in order to maximize X. Um, but as a founder, you're like, but I don't want to do that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and then there's an additional role as a founder is because you're the first exec, you're yeah. also the exec director. So that means you also have yeah. um, director duties to fulfill to yeah. shareholders, which is different to the CEO role, which is different to the founder role.
0: I always think of it in terms of, as the founder, you kind of own the dream, mm-hmm. and as the CEO, you kind of own the machine. And those <laughs> those two things should be working in the same direction, and normally are, but they, they, they there's a tension between them, you know, yeah. as you say. Sometimes, yeah. as the founder, my, my dream I'm, that involves the family I started with, I want to keep everybody, and as the CEO who owns the machine, say, but that particular role isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, so I, yeah, I get that. I think that's uh, that can generate all kinds of feelings of failure, and 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 uh, so. But you said like you've, like lost yourself, and it happened around roughly around the same time, or in in, the, in the, not too far in the aftermath of of the autoimmune discovery. Was there a moment, a particular moment, where you said I've lost myself, or is it a gradual? realization you know you're in a coffee shop one day or just say oh my god I do I even know who I am anymore or you meet up with a friend and they say something that triggers that was there a trigger to that
1: that's a great question I I think it was gradual but I do remember a key distinct moment where I was sitting at um, what this is one of the co-working spaces previously where we're at um, and this was you know a great space there was a Little bar area, and I had some of my other Cambridge friends come visit me in London, and I think I remember that distinct moment because Cambridge friends were—they actually they were entrepreneurs as well, but I think it because it came from this um, the student days. I was able to be a lot more frank and open and transparent. They, they know a different you. They, correct, they, yeah. correct. 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 Yeah. And. I, th- I remember that distinct moment when one of my friends said, so are you happy? Yeah,
0: killer question. <laughs> so simple, I, like, like like a lot of the best questions, They're just so simple and so unexpected, it catches you off guard and then yeah. reveals so much truth.
1: Yeah, so I wasn't like, I could take off that, and a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs know this, take off mm. that everything's amazing mask. And I went, whew, well actually, and then I think I, w- I got really emotional. I didn't really understand why. Yeah. And then it was started gradually coming to sense over a period of time about the whole, whole identity thing. Yeah. I was also missing family. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, I'm. This is now probably 13 or 14 years. Yeah. Um, since I've actually moved from Australia. Yeah. I don't have family um, well, don't in know. the UK. I just as, have as great as, friends. As we've
0: talked about, I I spent four months in Australia. the reversing thing, four months in Australia. Re- yeah, reverse. And I know how I felt after four months. So <laughs> I can only imagine how, you know, you felt. Because it's an amazing adventure. But just because something, a bit like entrepreneurship, just because something is an amazing adventure and you love it and you don't want to stop doing it doesn't mean that there aren't really hard things about it you want to address. And I think that yeah. that's... I think probably one of the things that, that, that you, you as an entrepreneur and I as an entrepreneur and, and the people listening would be able to hopefully relate to is it doesn't mean you love it or care about it any less to accept that maybe it's not perfect. And I think so, it must working. It's everything's working and it's, it's all great. And it's like, if I admit I'm really stressed or I have yeah. doubts, that in some way calls into com- question the commitment to to what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a um, and sometimes you know it come from. From great friends, it can come from from anywhere. It can come from a colleague, but that those moments are priceless because There's, they're the moments that save you and correct. stop you from. You know, we only have so many years on this planet, and you can so easily waste them without that moment of realization. And I hope that that you know, we're not the only podcast that's doing it. It's just loads of people having those conversations out there. That's I think what we both want to really contribute to. Hopefully, not to have a whole life changing moment out of this, yep. but to share those moments from different people. Mm-hmm. and 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 say that hopefully yeah just just improve people's understanding and get them to be maybe a bit easier on themselves being easier
1: right. being i think for any change to happen yeah the first step is to be aware mm. and if you're not aware of it then you can't acknowledge it you can't process it and you can't actually make any changes so i think the aha or punch in the face or failure moments for me have always been the moments that I became aware of something. Um, And the fact that I was aware, and to be fair, I guess at an earliest age, um, and I know that this is going to come in a couple of my other podcasts where I was really like, envious of one of the mm. guests going, Oh wow, you've you went through all of this life-changing moment at an earlier age. I even I wish I went through that because I feel like that's um not necessarily a gift, but I feel like it is
0: a life changing moment. It's a sweet gift, but it yes, is a gift. It
1: is a gift. And I feel like that's part of the really core life lessons that everyone has to go through. Yeah. Um, and it's part of that self-discovery journey. Yeah. Um, and the many awareness moments. Yeah. I've often found myself having to rely on my friends because I didn't have family. Yeah. And so my my friends and my mentors were so crucial yeah. to the success that you see on all the bullet points here. It's not me. Yeah. Um, it's definitely definitely the team at Sparrow. Um, and whether it's the highs and the lows that we go through together, but I want to also extend it to my peers, the entrepreneur network. If it wasn't for them, I definitely wouldn't be here.
0: But I think that's why we're doing a much more personal podcast and not just like top 10 tips for business success and what's happening in your industry. Because in days gone by, I think there was this strict demarcation between work, personal life and that in you know, with the current generations, it's just not the same way people expect mm-hmm. their, their personal life and their work life to link up mm-hmm. and be harmonious. I remember years ago, back when I was a lawyer, I had um, a supervising a partner who has gone on to be a kind of uh, team uh, team performance coach for like the Olympic team and the football team. So you gonna take an interesting path. Um, um, like my favorite lawyers are you know people who sort of moved on to do other things, but. Um, which is to say, like, you, you, know, you don't become a different person when you work, walk through the door to yep. the office. Yep. There are some people that can function like that. Yeah. But that, trying, if you're not like that, trying to maintain that is extremely, extremely bad hard. for you. Yeah, it shouldn't And be. like so what you're saying, like, you lose your sense of self and you lose your sense of, um, what well, you lose your, your health ultimately. But that And that's why I think that this conversation that we're having about the personal side of business, it's not a separate one. It's part of your success, which is why we're sharing your personal story. We're going to share other people's personal stories, not as a, just a pure human interest thing, but actually as a business podcast.
1: Yes, because if you try too hard to separate it and also at the end of the day, you're one individual. Yeah, (laughs) You wear many different hats and have different roles. Yeah, Um, Some you choose, some you were born with, right? Yeah. But everyone has that individuality. Yeah. But in order for what I've learned, is in order for me to be a better version of myself and therefore also be a better CEO for the company, yeah. means that I need to know who I am. I need to know when I need to stop so that I've, I can actually be more productive. Yeah. Um, and I need to know what actually I need in order to. Re- Recharge myself.
0: Sometimes less is more. Less like, is that, definitely that, that more. That old saying, but like sometimes less is more. Yeah, not just in the fashion sense, but in the in the in the in the business sense.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I felt like, especially nowadays, um, I can definitely a lot of it is through experience, yeah. and a lot of it is through training as well I'm um, great guidance. But I can get to answers and decisions. And problem solving skills much quicker. I mean
0: you keep returning to that like all these influences people have. Is that, you know, your driving force in wanting to do this to, to to offer those stories and those support to other people? Because I've noticed that in every stage that we've talked about, you've referred back to those mentors, those entrepreneurial friends, that that do I know who I am moment from a friend. That seems really, really important to you. And I'm guessing that's why doing this podcast is so is so important to you.
1: Yeah, I think because I was so far removed from my family, right? Yeah. So it might be have been a very different situation if I was closer to my family, Um, but they were my family. Yeah. You know, they provided that emotional support that every entrepreneur needs. Yeah. Regardless of where you are in the journey, and I think I've also been trained at a younger age (laughs) um, on persistence. Yeah. So I think being a scientist was a great curiosity, brought me great curiosity. Yeah. Um, as a young kid, I actually was learning piano at the age of six, yeah. and I played every single day for 10 years um, consistently. So that was one hour yeah. a day at least, every single day until I was 16 and I got a diploma, which is past grade eight, in classical piano. And that yeah. was hard work. I had lots of failure moments. I also had a teacher
0: yeah. who
1: would be very proud in saying that yeah. I wouldn't go home unless I made one student cry a day. Yeah. And that was a very different kind of upbringing, but it yeah. drilled a little bit of persistence in me. Yeah. So it's interesting that um, you know learning not to give up. Yeah. Uh, on failure moments, plus the curiosity (laughs) um, meant that I could actually be the entrepreneur I am today. So therefore, it's not all these successes that you see is not because that only happened since I started founding from Sparrow, right? It actually happened way before that. And it happened as my upbringing of Vivian Chan. So therefore, it has to be a whole package when you talk about overnight success. Correct. (laughs) It's never overnight success hardly ever is an overnight success. And I guess that
0: your journey has been to learn to balance that persistence and commitment and consistency and, and never give up mentality, you know, I'll do it till I get it right with your health and sense of identity because never give up is great and it's obviously really important to successful entrepreneurship. But if you do never give up and that means never getting the sleep you need, never taking time for yourself, you know, it can... It's like one of those things. It's it's great in the right dose, mm-hmm. and that's a high dose as an entrepreneur. But you yep. can overdose yeah. <laughs> by just going way too far, you know. And I think that's what you kind of. I think that seems to be the journey. You've, you know, that was your failure moment. Is I've not got that balance right, and everything feels like it's falling apart. Yeah. And then you go on to correct that. So what is, so what as of right now, what are, you know is, is there anything? Are there any sort of current? Failures that you're prepared to admit to, or is is it quite plain sailing? Obviously, it's never totally plain sailing, but like just to bring us up to date in terms of your quote failure journey, is there anything that you want to share today, or um, are we, are we, are we, uh, are we, is it all, is it all, um, uh, sun, uh, rainbows and sunbeams?
1: No, it's never, well, it's never rainbows. And it's a strange metaphor. I don't know why I like that <laughs> one. <laughs> but yeah, every day in an entrepreneurship's life is different. Yeah. It is, it's really rare that it's always rainbows yeah. and sunshine and everything's great. That's definitely my experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lucky one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually maybe there's less of a, a half massive yeah. failure moment nowadays yeah. because yeah. I am a lot more experienced in it. Yeah. So it might just be that, okay... You
0: kind of know, actually, it isn't. Quite yeah, failure. exactly. Part exactly. of it is a definition, and it's how a you definition. See it. yeah. You're
1: right. I think you're right in the way that my definition of failure has changed. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, it is an opportunity to solve problems. That's why we use the quotation, marks, quotation whenever marks whenever In any sort of documentation <laughs> to
0: do with the show. It is quotation marks failure.
1: Yeah, yeah. because I think that the definition has evolved. Yeah. Um, for me to fail actually if anything means that I'm not getting enough sleep it's a different kind of definition and I actually feel like it's when I don't um I'm not happy as an individual because I haven't given enough time to my family or I haven't given enough time to my partner or I haven't given enough time to my team it's not just one thing it's sometimes it's the other's that actually mean that i might be oh hang on a second i'm failing here but that just means i need to adjust so my team knows this very very well i think that i'm very uh organized with my diary yeah i also put in time when i need to do etc and i'm very um good with work-life balance and that's been hard worked. It, yeah. It's been a journey to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's some. Think, it's a story that yeah. I have to get there in order for me to actually be a better entrepreneur. Because
0: I think that, again, it's that struggle to try and convince people that work-life balance is not doesn't mean taking it easy, it's effort to, to get the right work-life yes. life balance.
1: If anything, it takes more effort. And I
0: think the other thing that I, I really like about what you're saying is, because we talked about, you know, scientists can be good entrepreneurs. Um, it's a how people centric all of your comments have been and how great a counterpoint that is to this idea of this sort of cold calculating scientist <laughs> who's just looking at the numbers because yeah. that's, I think that, you know, the stereotype would be that you would come in here and say, oh, well, the revenue was down 2.2% and this was, the, well, my greatest failure was well, I, we, c- I can definitely know, do that. They're, they're, they're <laughs> do that. But, like, so, but it's all of your stuff has been about people, how, how the team feels, how you feel, the value of of, of, of fellow founders, of, of mentors and stuff. So that's, I mean, it's true, like, so, I mean, I, I, I think that's, that's that's great.
1: Well, so, I, I guess at the end of the day, building a company is like building any relationship, Yeah, Right. percent um, So <laughs> whether that is your individual team relationships or it's external investor relationships or a sales client's inv- uh, relationship, Ultimately, you can be great at data, and the data will tell you, yeah. um, but the people who are gonna buy from you, whether it's a B2C or a B2B yeah. company, they're still people.
0: And a great great friend of mine, the, the HR director at Chatham House, Lisa O'Daly, says every problem really at its core is a people problem. Correct. And, and you know, every solution at its core is a people solution. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, well, I think that's a really good point to get to the subject of the show, the uh, hopefully soon to be famous or infamous failure hypothesis Um, so we'll be asking all of our guests to comment on a simple hypothesis around how we deal with failure so in the same spirit that you're sat in the hot seat it only seems fair to put our hypothesis to you and get your reflections on that Um, and then we can you know measure those against um, everyone else's so, um, I know you already know this, but our, our listeners won't have heard it before. So here's our here's our simple and hopefully timeless hypothesis about failure. It is, our greatest failures are our most important experiments. Yet emotion often prevents us from examining and learning from these unexpected outcomes. There is constant pressure to celebrate success and hide failure. However, if we practice radical honesty and have the strength to be vulnerable, then we can turn our, quote, failures into the secret of our success and help others to do the same. So, Vivian, skeptic or believer?
1: An absolute believer. <laughs> I thought you might say that. it got to be strange. I absolutely
0: fundamentally disagree with the failure hypothesis on this show. Um,
1: that would make for a very interesting it would series. Be, would, oh, <laughs> it,
0: it's, it's good to defy convention sometimes. So, um, And I guess that the you know we don't need to reflect too much on on that because that kind of I think it's self evident from our discussion before why why you would believe that.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that um, if I were to summarize it, yeah, the definition of failure is about vulnerability, but also self discovery, Mm. especially on the very key aha moments. So it's being aware. Yeah, I think failure is constant in our life. Yeah. And you have to fail in order to actually understand yeah. and appreciate success. But the first step of that is to be aware.
0: Do you think that you are less scared by the word failure now? Yeah. Than you would have been at say 18, 21, 25.
1: Yeah, I think it was always like, had a very bad connotation around it, yeah. right? It's like, oh, you failed, you got an F, exactly. whatever. Um, but hence, F is not, yeah. <laughs> you know, the show. But F shouldn't yeah. necessarily be about failure. The F, F word, in a way, yeah. is, is like freedom it. for me.
0: <laughs> there we go. The F word failure, freedom. Love it. Um, okay, well. Thanks for being so honest and open and, and, and we're gonna hear lots of other people being open and honest and we, we're we excited to do that. Um, but in each case with everybody, once we've kind of talked about the tough times, we wanna end on a positive note. Um, so we've talked a lot about the past and the road that, that led you here. So what does the future hold for, for Vivian Chan? What what are you working on at the moment? What, what are you excited about?
1: Uh, well, so obviously for one, this podcast. <laughs> Good answer. That's the answer I was looking for. <laughs> this is one of the first new yeah. things about Vivian Chan yeah. that you will get to hear and see exactly. um, firsthand, right? Mm. Actually being very intimate, um, hopefully e- hearing this in your headphones, as a podcast to actually understand whether it's entrepreneur to entrepreneur or business leaders to entrepreneur, that you know, or, or people we're that all may people. one day
0: be that entrepreneur, there could be a Vivian Chan listening to this in the
1: making. I'm sure. I really yeah. hope there's plenty. Yeah. There's plenty, yeah. that- especially
0: if they're a scientist as well. Well, every, well non-scientists <laughs> also welcome. But I love the idea of encouraging other people to go down that, that path that you're, you went down.
1: Yeah, and I think, so this is really exciting for me because it's also me being open and transparent about sharing my other parts of myself to the much wider public. Yeah. Um, but also there are, Sparrow is really ch- uh, taking off, yeah. especially after the pandemic. Yeah. Um. I mean, I do have early investors and mentors yeah. who have always said I was a bit of a visionary yeah. and that like I had investors turn around 180 degrees yeah. after the pandemic hit. And they're like, oh, now I understand why I need to, <laughs> to, to uh, do understand three minute digests of science, you know. Yeah.
0: Like well, I say, that's such being able to give people that really dense technical information in the bite size, make it accessible is
1: yeah invaluable. Absolutely. So um now that Sparrow, we're trying to make science accessible. yeah, and accessibility for us means understandability. Yeah. Um, yeah. and given that um, there's like millions and millions of scientific research, yeah. all the governments yeah. and private institutions pour billions of dollars into scientific research. Everything we live and breathe is based on science in terms yeah. of air and gravity, um hormones, everything. yeah, however, Only 3% of the population can actually access and understand the latest of cutting-edge research.
0: Well, that sounds like a really exciting challenge to take on. And I'm sure everything you've talked about today will help you meet that challenge. I think it's a really good point to end on. So all that remains is for me to say thanks so much, Vivian, for sitting in the hot seat today and for sharing your failure story. At Meledro, we are really looking forward to the rest of the season.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed being able to visit those moments and I'm really looking forward to interviewing our first guest on the next episode. Scott Mackin, who is the managing partner of Denim Capital, a global private equity firm that specializes in sustainable energy. He works in one of the industries most critical to the future of our planet. You've been listening to The Failure Hypothesis with me, Vivian Chan. To hear other inspiring stories from unique leaders, please subscribe to The Failure Hypothesis on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening to The Failure Hypothesis, a Malejo Digital production. To find out more about making and appearing in business content with interest, visit our website at malejodigital.com.